This is episode 14 with Jonathan Gomez. Welcome to the Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal trainer and coach. Each week, it's my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to possibly help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today's guest is an Olympian from Columbia specializing in butterfly. Jonathan had a chance to come to the United States at age 13 from Cali, Colombia. At this time, he taught himself English while adjusting to a new culture and continuing to pursue his love of swimming. That passion and drive paid off as he eventually went on to swim at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. In 2016, Jonathan had a chance to represent Colombia on the Olympic stage in Rio, where he placed 15th in the 200 butterfly. Jonathan has a genuine passion for not just the sport, but giving back to his hometown community. I'm excited to bring that passion and his story to you today, so please welcome on Jonathan Gomez. Leaving off swimming, a little rough in the financial part, you know, we don't make that much money, mm-hmm. you know how it goes, but for a long time, I'm very uh, thankful that I'm living my dream, I'm very blessed for that. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a pro swimmer, so that's what I'm doing, I want to do a, I want to go to Olympics and do something better, something better than what I did in the past, and that's what I'm training for, and like, hopefully everything will work out. Yeah, I think it's awesome, um, and we'll definitely touch on all that. Um, I've put together some questions, so if you don't mind, we can just dive into it. I don't want to take too much of your time here. Um, Let's do it. So, where did your swimming career begin for you? Was that back home in Columbia? Yeah, so I was about six years old when I started swimming, like, regularly. Mm-hmm. I asked when I was a kid. I was three, four years old, and then I was usually in the hospital for weeks, you know, in the... In there, I was hospitalized for probably twice a month. It was a pretty rough situation. My parents, um, they were pretty worried about me. And I just couldn't breathe, you know. I just couldn't breathe, I couldn't breathe. And there was nothing that could help me, no medicine that could push me. So the doctor said, you gotta put your feet swimming. And my mom put me in swimming, and I started, you know, got better little by little. Starting to, to leave the inhaler a little bit behind. No going to the clinic as much. And then eventually became alive. That's awesome. And uh, what was it like dealing with something like that? I guess at such a young age, do you really remember it or not really? I do. I remember being in the hospital uh, so often that I knew the nurse's name. Uh, everyone, everyone, I just knew everyone. They would take care of me. I would know what I wanted to eat. And it was pretty rough. Like it wasn't. I don't wish that to happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. Because just my parents were so sad. You see, your parents that that sadness that nothing can get through that nothing procedures done? So, asthma is not something you cure, it's something you control, mm-hmm. and you only know, depend on which one. You know, you have pools that are closed and the corn just insane, so the air is crazy, and you, you go inside and feel it right away. Mm-hmm. So, when I'm places, I need my inhaler, I need to use it, but if you pull it down and then if 
I'm in an open pool in an open space and I have good air, nothing will happen. I'm okay. That's good. That's good to hear. It's good to hear that you were kind of making that transition now and know how to handle it. When was that time, I guess, in your swimming career that you realized uh, you'd be pretty good at it? I know you touched on you wanted, growing up, wanting to be a professional swimmer. When was it that that became kind of like, okay, this could be a reality for me? So I was watching uh, the 2008 Olympics, uh, and one of my friends, Jacqueline, said he had just won a bronze medal. I was a kid in Colombia. I, was, I didn't move to the U.S. yet. I moved here in 2009. And I remember her seeing Jacqueline in the podium, and it was just amazing. She was just the most beautiful feeling in the world, seeing someone who I came with, someone who I shared time with, win an Olympic medal. And I, I just wanted to do that. I wanted to feel that for me. I wanted to hear my dad's name in the Olympic stage. I wanted to see my flag go up. And that was my dream. I say, when I'm older, I want to do I want to be a professional athlete, I want to be at the Olympics, I want to win a medal. And we moved here in 2009. We weren't good. For Colombian standards, I was the best. Mm-hmm. For you, they were so high. And I was nothing, you know. I came here from being the best to be one of the worst. And I got Mohamed. Mohamed has been my coach for the past 10 years. And we started training little by little. Uh, year by year, we kept dropping, kept dropping, kept dropping. Uh, 2013, that was my first international meet. Mm-hmm. I went to Warrior 5, went 204 in the 200 fly, I believe, and I finished 14. And I'm like, I think I could do this, you know? I think I can, I'm a flyer, I can, I can be in the big stage, and I think I can make it to, to Rio. The next year, I went to the Youth Olympic Games in 19 in China. I went at 201, the 200 fly, I finished eighth. Um, I made the first final for Columbia in a two-point uh, games. So it was pretty, pretty amazing for us. Uh, we kept dropping, we kept dropping. But we got to 2015, and then I had the decision to make to go to SMU and transfer or to stay back home and join my team and try to make the Olympics. And I decided to stay. I was a two-level or 200 flyer, one year of Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to go because that was uh, 156, so that's a four second drop in a year, which is crazy. But uh, my coach believed in me, you know. I didn't really believe in myself, I didn't think I could do it. But he has done so much for me that I'm like, I need to stay and I need to do it for him. If he believes that I can do it, I'm going to give it a try. And I stay. We drop little by little. When 159 December, then when 158 in February, 157 in March, beating Tyler Curry in the Golden Series in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And then the last beat for me to make the Olympics in the Bahamas. I went the qualifying time 156 and I made my Olympic dream come true. I was around with my father. I only had one chance, one try, and then we did it. It was the most amazing feeling of my life. Uh, realizing that I was going to go to an Olympic Games and just making it from the people that I love and then believing that I could do it, it meant so much for me. You know, we, we dropped four seconds, which was amazing, and it just proved to me that as long as you believe in something, you will be able to do it. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously you have to, to trust your coach. I feel like every great 
swimmer athlete has had a coach that really pushed them and kind of thought so highly of them that, you know, us as athletes were like, I don't even know if I can do that, but okay, like, I take your word for it. Yeah. When we first came, was basically like some of my financial support throughout the meet because we just couldn't afford it, you know, moving from Colombia to the US, um, it wasn't easy. And then the, the expenses were very high, we were three kids and my parents are the only two, you know, five people to clean the house. Um, and swimming is a very expensive sport, so sometimes we didn't have enough to like, pay for me, to pay for a suit, and then Mohammed was always there to help me. So all the success I have is because of him, you know? Mm-hmm. We have worked with him, so he's something big, and then that connection, that love, uh, and that support that we have in each other is what makes it special, and that's what makes us better than everyone else. That's awesome you were able to find someone so early on when you made that transition. I also wanted to touch on what other things I read somewhere on, in one of these articles on Swimming World um, that you had to teach yourself English as well when you made that move. How was that? Yeah, so it's something that we came with in Northern, just basically like the usual stuff, house, bathroom, uh, English. I do not speak English, just the basic uh, stuff that you learn in school. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave us a choice. You can go into the ESL program and take four years to learn, to learn English, or you can go into regular classes and just fight it and then try to like do it by yourself, and if you fail, you fail, you know? And I was thinking about college, I was thinking about my future, I'm like, screw it, fuck it, I need to do it, you know? I need to do it for me, I need to do it for my family, I didn't come here to stop it, and I need to learn English fast. We, we went there and went to, to my freshman year of high school, no, nothing. And we just started. Like I had all the all the textbooks, um, everything in English. Didn't know a thing. I was listening, looking, trying to figure it out. We had a huge dictionary on my back, and just little by little, we learned little by little. I started speaking, and then uh, six months later, we were able to communicate. Uh, we were able to speak. We were able to participate in class and communicate with others. Uh, told my friends, you know, we were in the U.S. Speak English, my parents did, and we were uh, those interiors that uh, would help them to communicate with someone else. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Do you think there was things that you had learned from swimming growing up that you could apply to to learning a skill like like speaking English or adapting to the U.S. culture and all that? I think all the hard uh, stuff that happened in my life. I've happened for a reason that has made me a person of why I play. I'm very thankful for going to the US, having the money, starting from nothing, no knowing English, has made me who I am today. Has made me a fighter, has made me a person who values others and who wants to help uh, his community become better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a nonprofit in Colombia who helps, that helps 100 kids. Uh, we give them transportation, a meal a day, access to a pool and a coach. That's awesome. Um, our main goal is not for them to be great athletes. I don't care if they're great businessmen, I don't care if they're rich. The most important thing that we teach them is that you have to be great people. You have to be a great person, you have to have a great soul, and you have to be there to help others. And that's what we believe in, that's what we're here for, 
or they've never had a, a medal somewhere at the Olympics. How do you handle kind of blazing that own path for yourself when no one else has done it before from you? So we want to we want to be the example. We want to be the leaders. I think there are many legends. Only one icon. I want to be the icon. I want to be the person that changed everything. Um, everyone thinks it's impossible until someone else does it. And I want to get to that person. I want to show them that we belong in the Olympic podium. I want to show them that we do deserve an Olympic medal. And that if you work hard enough, you believe in yourself. And you have your goals, you can do anything. You can do anything you want. I think that's a huge message. Um, and it's almost reminiscent. I mean, obviously, in U.S. swimming, we've had uh, a pretty iconic butterfly uh, by the name of Michael. Um, come and do something very similar for, for the sport here in America. But I think it's huge that you're trying to do something very similar um, back at home for your country as well. Yeah, the U.S. has the most amazing swimmers in history. We all know that. I had the opportunity to train with some of the best swimmers in the world, Caleb, Brian Lucky, And these people are just, just there, you know, they're, they're inside their minds, they know what they're doing, they have their goals, and they work hard every single day for what they want. That's what makes the difference. They don't really care about what you're doing, they don't really care about how fast you're going. They're in the lane, they're doing what they need to, and they're always ready to go fast. Yeah, how do you approach training with those kind of guys? You just gotta go. I mean, you just can be thinking that he's faster than you. No, that's it. He has two arms, two legs, uh, a body, and you have the same thing. So you just gotta go fight. You have respect for them, but once you're in the pool, you gotta go for it. You know? You yeah. wanna be in your legs, focus on yourself, or if you see an opportunity to beat them up, you gotta beat them up. <laughs> and that's how we train, and that's how we make each other better. And they, they do the same, we do the same. And I think that's why uh, the group works so well. It's got to be something to be a part of a group you know, of that much prestige. I'm sure it's got to be fun day to day. You've probably had some pretty hard sets and practices. What has been kind of in your career the hardest practice you've ever done? And then mentally, how did you approach that and get through it? So uh, let's, let's do the hardest set probably in the last year. It's the 1900 squad in long course. Oof. That's our rep on three minutes. It was insane, it was insane. It was everyone in the group, we were all going all out. And it was just crazy, you know. Spring the first one and then just fight. We kind of just got ready the morning before. He said, okay, tonight we're going to do a nice 200 fly. And the I am going to do a nice 200 fly. And backstrokers, nice 200 fly. Everyone is going their best stroke. And you're just going to sprint it. And I think we were all getting together, we pushed each other, and it was so hard, it was so hard. I probably did very well for preparing up on the last three or four, two hundred. I was just pushing with my toes because if I would use my legs, I would crap down. There was a crazy set, DO2 max, everything all out, and then everyone was hurting. We were all hurting, we were all pushing, but we were all making each other better. And just stay in your lane, you know, don't, don't focus on the pain, focus on what you're doing, take stroke by stroke, uh, breath by breath, and just believe that what you're doing right now is going to help you accomplish your goals. Yeah, did you know, you knew going into that practice what, what the set was going to look like? 
Yeah, he told him what. Yeah, he said, get ready. Uh, tonight's going to be easy. It's going to hurt a lot, so just prepare yourself, eat well. I mean, there is nothing you can really do to, <laughs> to prepare yourself for night one so loud. I had 10k practice in the morning, you know? That's, that's, well, that's how great Yeah, I mean, at least, I mean, personally, I liked knowing when the practice was going to be super hard because I got to mentally prepare and be like, okay, this is how I'm going to attack this. And, you know, I liked kind of knowing what was ahead. I know I had teammates that uh, if they found out that they had 9200s butterfly long course at night, they would have been like, oh, man, I, I got homework. I'm skipping practice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, swimming is 
easy and doing it by yourself makes it so much harder. So that's why that's why team is so important, that's why coach is so important. Just because when when the time comes that you don't want to push, it's gonna be some you're gonna have something bigger than yourself that gets you through it, that pushes you through it and that gets you gets you at that point where you know that okay, I'm here, I'm hurting, I don't wanna do it, but it's fucking go. Because it's not just me, it's us. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I guess I want to touch on also what's going through your head during that warm up at major meets. Because at this point in your career, you've kind of swam at pretty much all the big ones. Um, what's going through your head as you warm up? Oh, so when I'm warming up, I feel the best. I feel good. I'm the fastest in the world. I'm the best in the world. My legs up there are stronger. My arms up there are stronger. I'm pulling so much water. I'm kicking so fast, my other words go good. Uh, I can't hold my breath forever. You know, you gotta play with your mind. Your mind controls everything. So if you have the right thing, you have the right attitude, everything's gonna work out well. Yeah, I think that's that's really well said. Did you do anything in particular right before the race um, to lock you in and kind of like really focus in on, okay, it's go time. This is the time to go. So I pray. I think very strongly. I think I'm here for because of him. Because we have a perfect world. And I pray and I say, okay, God, I'm here. I'm ready to fight for any your strength. I know um, it's not just me outside that block. I'm going to have your blessing. I'm going to have your strength. And I just go to a block, uh, pray, get ready, go off, and just, just go. No much thinking. I don't write. I don't try to to focus on anyone else. And this is kind of weird because, like you know, you say it's a race, but at this level, you can be thinking about the person who's next to you. You just gotta be focusing on yourself, giving your best every single second. Because the moment you start thinking about someone else, you're giving them your power, you're giving them your energy, and that just makes it so much harder for you to get faster. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, at some point you just gotta focus in on yourself, and and that's all you can really control in the sport of swimming. You can't control how anyone else does. Just worry about what you can control. Yeah, it will say what it says. You can you can control anyone else. Like it's just you in that lane. You can control for me. Mm-hmm. What he's doing, what he's so you gotta go. You just gotta go with your lane, your head. Uh, you're in control of your own mind. Control your own brain. And as long as you know you train hard, as long as you know you're prepared, everything's going to work out. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess now transition, I want to talk about International Swim League, the ISL for short. You recently joined the New York Breakers. Um, it's the inaugural season of the whole league. What's it like to be a part of something that's going to be a huge movement, hopefully, for the sport of swimming? I'm very thankful to, to be part of this. I think... Uh, it's finally going to help us move to the next level. Like I told you, swimming is very hard uh, in the financial aspect. Mm-hmm. That we barely make enough to live. Uh, and it's pretty hard. It's, 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 it shouldn't be like that. You know, we're professional swimmers. If you think about soccer or football or basketball, if we were at the same level in a different sport, we would be millionaires. And swimming has that capacity. Swimming has that, 
that option and I think the ISL has finally given the push that the sport needed to, to move to the next level, to move to the next stage and being part of something so special, so big and that's going to transform the swimming world is a truly blessing from the sky because the future generations will finally be able to say I'm a pro swimmer and I'm here, I'm making money and I can finally live out of the sport, I can finally think about my financial future through swimming and not just, okay, I go to college, maybe I can do one, two years and my parents help me out and, and that's it, I call it my career, you know? Yeah, it's all okay. so Yeah, the idea will give this opportunity, will help us out uh, and then hopefully allow athletes to, to live out of the sport. It's funny because I, I think you hit on it perfectly. Uh, with swimming, it is really unique. It's like you could be good in, in college. You could be, you know, top 16 in, at, at NCAAs your junior and senior year. But um, before this league was around, that kind of was like, okay, cool, you're done uh, as soon as you graduate. There wasn't a pro league for you to really go for unless you were, like, top two, top three, you know, something like that. So I think it will catch a, yeah. it capture a lot of interest of a lot of other people as well, hopefully. Yeah, giving us the opportunity to, to expand the sport and then allow all the other swimmers who have dreams of becoming pro athletes do it. Mm-hmm. Because like you say, well, you're not the number one, you're not making any money. You're not making anything, and then if you don't have wealthy parents who can support you and allow you to train, for the next two, three, four years, whatever it is, that's it, you gotta call it up. Yeah, that's that's a tough decision to make, especially if the you know, the younger athlete has promise in the sport. Um, but financially they just can't can't continue on with it. It's kind of a shame that we've been seeing that over the past few years. It is, it is. It's so sad to think about how many how many dreams were were just cut short because Full of people, 
nerves to get to your head. Sadly for me, it happened. I sprinted after a 50, sprinted after a 50 and then lost control of my race. Uh, I could have done much better until the guy was ready to drop way more time. But it was a great experience. Uh, it helped me prepare the right way for the future. Now I'm in control. Now I know what to expect. Now I know what to do. And you just gotta, you just gotta relax. Uh, it's just you. You're in a pool. You're in a race. You're in control. And just enjoy it. Enjoy the moment because you don't have really come back. You never go back to that, to that second. You never go have that feeling again of walking out to an Olympic semifinal with your name being called, your flag under your, your cap, and then just millions of people back home watching you. You never get that feeling again. So just enjoy it. Know that you're ready. Know that you're prepared. And then just go race. I think that's super well said. Um, it's got to be something to be able to represent something bigger than you, especially at the Olympic Games. You're not racing just for you. You're racing for an entire nation behind you. Uh, you got to just let that carry you sometimes. Uh, what do you do to relieve your stress, though, outside of being an athlete? Are there any things that you do, any releases that you have kind of weekly or just... Any time in your life when you're feeling super stressed? So swimming, you know, swimming is pretty well. I mean, you have to put a lot of your day into it, like basically your whole day. You're eating, thinking about swimming. You're sleeping, thinking about swimming. <laughs> Everything you do is thinking about practice, thinking how you're going to do, how you're going to get ready to go fast. So it's a stressful. I like to, to keep myself busy so the foundation helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that aspect, but well, I also like to work. I work at the mayor's office, and I feel like that that's a huge uh, thing for me. It helps me relieve the pressure, relieve my stress. You know, I'm doing something I like. Different people, I'm not in a pool. I'm in an office. Um, sometimes it gets a little stressful because it's politics, you know. Mm-hmm. But at least it gets me outside the pool, and I feel like that's that's important for everyone, especially as well. Like in college, you have class, you have school. But your swimming has your whole day, like for your main job, main thing, and you're not doing anything else. I mean, I wouldn't think I would be able to do it. it it's just too much. I feel like I need a distraction. I need something else. And for me, work is that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I enjoy something that you're working at the office and you're working with other people. And I'm learning a lot. Sometimes it gets really hard, you know. But I'm very blessed to have a boss that allows me to to work the hours that I need and if I'm too tired I can go home take a nap. So in that aspect I'm very very lucky to have that, to have an opportunity to work uh, in a big city with a big mayor and work whenever I can, you know, whenever I'm able to and whenever I'm I'm resting enough to be able to do my best in the pool and my best at the office. Mm-hmm. I think you touched on me with the nap, I feel you there. I always need it. <laughs> Needed that when I was training yeah. to get through the day sometimes. You need, you need it. Like waking up at 4.30 a.m. and just going all day, sometimes you, your body just shuts off. I had a, a little rough time back in December of last year when I just, I would have too much going on. You know, I was working full time, die hours a day, swimming, uh, twice a day too, and I was hitting everything that I was doing. I wasn't enjoying my time at the pool, I wasn't enjoying my time at the office. And I eventually had to stop it, you know, I needed a break. I had to figure out what I needed to do, what I wanted to do. And very thankfully, I had, I had a great boss who said, you have a big goal, you have a big dream, 
go for that, we're here to support you. And whenever you can work, do work. If you can come today, you can come today. If you need four weeks off, if you're going to a training camp, if you're going to Europe to race, whatever you need, we're here for you. We want this to be a great experience, but we also want to help you achieve your dream. That's awesome to have such a solid support system in place too. I think that plays a major factor in a lot of people's success. Yeah, I don't see that. Having people who are living you and who are supporting you every single day mm. makes the biggest difference, makes you, makes you better. Um, I'm very blessed to have my family, I'm very blessed to have my girlfriend, uh, my coach, my team, so many people who, who believe in me, who support me. It's an amazing feeling and knowing that you have so many people behind you just, just ready to support you, ready to push you. It, it's, it's something amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. and It's great that you have kind of all those pieces in place. Um, you touched on it way back um, and you've talked throughout here about the foundation that you started. What's um, the biggest advice that you have for that next generation of athletes, especially those that are Maybe they're looking to pave their own path like you're doing right now. To just give it up, to believe in what they're doing, doesn't matter what other people say, doesn't matter their opinions. Just if you're a you're referee, if you want to be in the top 1%, you got to be different, you got to push harder. And a lot of people are going to criticize you, are going to make fun of you, but you just got to keep pushing, you just got to keep getting better. And then just believe that at the end, you're going to be someone special, someone who can influence people and someone who can make the world a better place. And I hope uh, they make that choice. I hope they, like I say, they don't just become great athletes, they become great people. Because that's what we need in this world that keeps changing, that keeps spinning, that so many things keep happening. We need our generation to be stronger, better, and then just more conscious about the people next to us, our neighbors, our friends, our families. Even our enemies, we have to be better people, more open, and then help each other. Because at the end, we only have one world, and then we have to we have to preserve it. And if we all work together, it will be a much better place. I, I don't think you could have said it any better, man. That was absolutely fantastic. I think you have a, a very excellent message there. Um, what's next for you? I know ISL. What's training looking like for Tokyo? How is it looking qualifying for next summer and all that? So, we have a crazy year. You know, Olympic year is always super insane. I have the IFL and I'm going to make my cut for the Olympics at the US Nationals. After that, I will be doing a big training camp down in Florida and then just getting ready back here in New Jersey for for Tokyo, we will be doing some cross-street series uh, all over the U.S., maybe go to Europe a little bit, but mainly just preparing ourselves, fighting, and then getting ready. So at that moment, we have, when we have to step in a block and be in an Olympic final and have a chance to, to finally get a medal for Colombia, we will be able to touch that one. Yeah, I think that's awesome. You got um, a great message, like I said. You're doing huge things, not just for yourself, but for your country. It's really exciting to see. Where can everyone that listens here kind of keep up with you and, and follow your success over the next uh, year or so? Well, thanks so much, Corey. Thanks so much for your kind words. Uh, so just Instagram, social media, I try to 
to stay up to date. Sometimes we gotta take uh, some breaks just yeah. because being doing all day is not it's not so good. And then you know, coaches say that they phones out, uh, delete Instagram and Facebook, whatever. So in Instagram, you can find me as Jonathan Gomez. That C O L. Jonathan Gomez. That C O L. Facebook, uh, Jonathan Gomez. Instagram, I mean Twitter, Jonathan underscore G O O N E T. You can find me there. It's mainly, it mainly posts Instagram and Facebook. Um, try to keep updating the things on my foundation. You can follow it with the Gomez Marina Foundation. You will find it in my profile. And yeah, I mean, those are the those are the big things. Mainly, if you want to follow me, follow my foundation, follow my nonprofit. Those kids need you. They need your help. And anything you can do in your communities to help other kids, other people make. Uh, your surroundings have a place, just do it. Just do it because the reward is so big and then that feeling of you doing something bigger than that just working for what you want, working for money is so much greater than anything else you ever got it. I think that's super well said, man. Um, like I said, I'm I'm really excited to watch your success uh, here. I think you're onto something big. I wish you the best um, in the ISL and you know, qualifying for next year's games, and hopefully I'll be seeing you on that medal podium. I think that would be fantastic to see kind of your dreams come true. Now, getting to know you a little bit, I'll feel even more, it'll feel even more special watching that moment for you. Thank you, Corey. Thanks so much. Uh, I have no doubt that I will be working every single day, every single hour for that medal. And hopefully in 2020, we will be able to to bring that medal home and to have an impact uh, in our future generations and then you can come and see what we do, what we believe in and why it's so important to me to be a good example for my kids, for my country and for all the people that surround me every single day. I'm so glad that you took the time to listen in and I hope that you enjoyed that conversation I just had with Jonathan biggest takeaway for me was hearing Jonathan's motivation is so much bigger than himself. I'll definitely be pulling to see him on that podium next year in Tokyo. If you're in the DMV area, come check out Jonathan and the New York Breakers as they compete in the first ever ISL meet in DC against three other US teams. They'll be in town tomorrow, Saturday 11-15 and Sunday 11-16. Hope to see you all there. I ask that however you've been listening, whether on iTunes, Spotify, or another platform, please share this episode with at least one person today. You can impact someone else's lives in a positive way by doing so. Subscribe to our channel so you'll be sure to never miss an episode, and come back next Friday as I welcome on former Loyola University soccer standout, Emily Lung. Thanks, have a great week.